holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify that it works, its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and began to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone here in person and welcome to those who are joining us online. I'm Paul Sorensen, I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to see faces here in the room we haven't seen in a while, Cameron, and it's good to see new faces, Joe and Elizabeth and your family, Stacy. great to see you. It's my joy actually to welcome a face I've not seen in the room for a while, but he is a member of our church and he's gonna be bringing the word to us today. His name is John Mackerel. Let me brag about John Mackerel here for a minute. If you've never heard John preach, you're gonna be in for a special treat. John is a national associate director with a college ministry called InterVarsity. Anyone here of InterVarsity before? And if you've seen what John does, John creates curriculum and resources so that his college leaders in InterVarsity can reach college students for Christ. And the resources are so rich, so rich. In fact, we've used them here for adult ministry purposes. 
Um, he also helps put on events, training events for the national staff with InterVarsity. Perhaps his uh, biggest accolade is that he's married to a wonderful bride with three little kids, right? Good job. You're shaking your head. Yes. And so would you give John Mackerel a warm welcome, one fellowship? Thanks, sir. You're doing all right this morning? Good. Well, now that Paul has raised expectations, I will lower them. <laughs> no, it's good uh, to be with you all this morning. Uh, let me take you back to 2012. I was living in Raleigh, North Carolina while working for college ministry, InterVarsity, like Paul mentioned. And uh, it was August, you know, the beginning of a new semester, which is always the most exciting time on campus, right? Thousands of students are returning to campus. Uh, there's a buzz in the air. The band is playing, gearing up for a new football season. Yet I found myself on one, that August morning, laying in my bed, looking up at the ceiling, wondering, what am I doing? So let me tell you, I went to Clemson University. I majored in construction science and management. I come from a long history of contractors. My dad is an architect, fully intended to go and be a project manager in the construction industry. But after having a powerful encounter with the Lord, I felt uh, called to go do college ministry. And so uh, I went, uh, after I graduated, I came on staff with InterVarsity and they sent me to plant a ministry at NC State University in Raleigh. So uh, there I was uh, walking onto campus for the first time, and I had big dreams for what would happen on campus. I wanted to start a ministry that drew hundreds of students out to get involved. I wanted to see God radically transform their lives. I wanted to graduate alumni that went on to be influencers in society for Christ. I wanted to do something significant. So I prayed and I reached out and I mentored students and I worked hard for three years. And God did move, but not in the way that I was hoping that he would. Because at the end of those three years, I had about 25 students involved uh, in the ministry. And uh, God moved in their life in some, some powerful ways, which I'm really grateful for. But it wasn't this 100-plus student ministry that I was hoping for. It wasn't this huge movement on campus that people knew about. So as I laid there in my bed that August morning, looking at the ceiling, wondering to myself, what am I doing? I began to question my ability, question my calling, question myself. You know, when I didn't achieve this sense of significance that I set out to do, I began to feel the sense of uh, emptiness and question. And uh, I don't think that I'm alone uh, in that feeling. I think all of us as human beings all have this need and desire for significance. We all want our lives to feel valuable and meaningful. We all want to feel like our lives matter. And uh, in the Bible, there's a word for this and it's glory. Now, when you think of glory, you probably think of this grand illuminating presence, which it can mean, but at its most foundational level, glory literally just means weight or reputation. So to use a physics analogy, you know, the more uh, weight an object has, uh, the more matter it has. You know, the more it matters, the more it weighs. And so glory is this measure of how uh, much something matters, how significant it is. 
I would say that glory measures the weight of someone's reputation. And I think that all of us go about pursuing this sense of glory and significance in a few different ways. I would propose that we all do this by either what we do, what we have, or what other people think about us. What we do is the measure of our performance and our achievements, right? When you're young, this is the athletic trophies. This is the good grades, the educational degrees. When we get older, it's the letters that are on the back of your name. It's the job titles. It's the successful business that you're a part of or that you started. It's the well-behaved or successful children that you raised. It's the things that you do in the community or how much you've given back. Then there's what we have. What we have is the measure of our personal attributes or uh, our possessions. Personal attributes like you're good looking or you're smart or you're fun or funny or a hard worker. Possessions like a secure investment fund. You live in a certain house, in a certain neighborhood, driving a certain car, going on certain vacations, eating at certain restaurants, all of which we post on social media, right? Then there's what other people think about us which is really just the social validation of what we have and what we do. It is what people think about us. It's what they say about us, what we're known for, what people compliment us for. And, uh, you know, you just think about social media itself. Social media has created some of the wealthiest organizations in human history. It's the Facebooks and Instagrams and YouTubes and TikToks, all built off of social validation all built off of likes and shares and views and followers, right? And so we all go about pursuing the sense of significance, this sense of glory through these different means by what we do, what we have, and what other people think about us. And we know that we do because you can tell that when you don't get that sense of achievement, right? What happens when you don't make the team? Or what happens when you don't get into that school or you don't get that job or that position or that promotion? What happens when you're not able to afford that house in that neighborhood? What happens when your children aren't the well-behaved children that you were hoping for? Or what happens when they simply just grow up and leave home, leaving you with an empty nest? You know, what happens when you upload that picture to social media and it doesn't get the likes that you were hoping for? Do you leave it up or do you take it down? When we don't get that sense of uh, significance, we know, we feel it, not just sad, we feel a sense of emptiness uh, about us. We feel that sense of insignificance. And so the question I have for us this morning is, where do you draw your sense of significance? And how might God have us go about pursuing this need? Which brings us to our passage. So to give you some uh, background, at this time, the nation of Israel was being ruled by the Roman Empire. Yet the people of Israel wanted to be a nation of their own again. They wanted to reestablish themselves as the people of God. Based on Old Testament prophecies, they believed that this would happen through a divine leader known as the Messiah, or this, uh, simply put, this anointed uh, king. They were looking for this king. And for hundreds of years, they had been waiting and searching for this messianic king to come and rescue them. Then one day, this Jewish carpenter named Jesus shows up. 
and he begins to perform these inexplicable miracles. He begins to teach with authority and power like people had never heard before. And as a result, he gains these huge followings. You know, the Gospel of Mark says that he had such great followings that he couldn't even enter certain towns anymore because he couldn't fit all the people into them. And so as he's gaining uh, this following, the increasing question on everyone's mind was, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the guy, the guy that we've been looking for, the messianic king that God is going to send to deliver us and rescue us? Some people believed and followed him. Others weren't sure. And then other people, like the religious leaders, adamantly believed that he was not the king because he wasn't the kind of king that they were looking for. And then you come, all of this kind of comes to a head at this Feast of Tabernacles, which in Jewish culture was a seven-day-long festival that commemorated God leading the people through the desert into the Promised Land. It was the time where they lived in tabernacles or tents in the desert. So every year, tens of thousands of Jewish people from all over the known world would regather in Jerusalem to celebrate and commemorate this festival in or around the temple. And according to Jesus' brothers, this would be a perfect opportunity for Jesus to show himself to the world, to show everybody, to answer the question on everybody's mind, are you the messianic king? Are you the guy that we've been waiting for? Show us your glory. Which leads us to the passage. At the first part, it reads, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go up to Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to the festival because my time is yet not fully come. And after he said this, he stayed in Galilee. Note the challenge that Jesus' brothers give to Jesus. Show yourself. If you really are the Messiah, prove it. You know, if you want to be this public figure, if you want to be this person of significance, then show us. Show us uh, your power through the miracles that you do. Show us your authority through teaching. Show us your glory. And wouldn't you know it, uh, some things never change because this is the exact same message that our culture sends us today. And I'll give you an example, Frozen 2. I have uh, two daughters. I've seen Frozen 2 multiple times. It's a great movie. I love it. Uh, major box office hit. Everybody knows it's an instant Disney classic. But in the movie, there is a song called Show Yourself. And it is uh, El Queen Elsa's final and epic ballad of, uh, that culminates at the end of the movie. And uh, I bring it up because I think this ballad perfectly captures our modern pursuit of significance. And you can hear it in the final stanza of lyrics. Listen to uh, the final uh, lyrics in the stanza. Show yourself, step into the power, grow yourself into something new. You are the one you've been waiting for all of your life. So show yourself. Essentially, where do you find sense of significance? Significance is found within you. 
You are the source of your own significance. And this is the message that our culture sends us. In our Western society of hyper-individualization, the pursuit of glory and significance is called self-discovery and self-actualization. You can hear it in our common phrases, you know, discover the real you, follow your own heart, you do you, speak your truth, realize your own potential. You can be anything that you want to believe, you want to be as long as you believe in who? Yourself, right? Where do you find your sense of significance? How do you go about fulfilling that need? Our culture would tell us you find significance within yourself, by yourself, for yourself. Yet watch how Jesus responds to Jesus's challenge uh, that he receives from his brothers. The passage goes on. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he also went, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he deceives people. But no one would say anything publicly because of the fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Note the distinction that Jesus draws between personal glory and God's glory. Jesus isn't opposed to seeking glory. Jesus is opposed to seeking his own glory. Jesus isn't opposed to seeking significance. Jesus is opposed to seeking self-significance. And to that end, Jesus refuses to seek his own glory and instead directs everything about his life towards God. He doesn't stop pursuing glory. He just redirects all that energy towards pursuing God. Because deep down, Jesus believed that everything that he had came from God. Everything that he did was for God. And he believed that the only opinion that truly mattered to him was God's. Jesus ensured that every ounce of his life, every miracle he performed, every teaching he taught, everything he did went to adding weight, not to his reputation, but to God's. How should we go about fulfilling this sense of significance? The Bible would say, I would say is, if you want your life to matter, stop pursuing your own glory and start pursuing God. Stop running the rat race. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. Stop allowing social media to define your likability. Stop doing those things and instead redirect that energy towards pursuing God. Recognize that deep down, everything that you have right now comes from God. Redirect everything you do towards God and his purposes. Believe deep down in your heart that everything, uh, that the only opinion that truly matters about you is God's. If you want your life to matter, stop pursuing your own glory and start pursuing God. The irony is this, that when we do that, God in turn glorifies us. He gives us that sense of significance that we always uh, want and need and look for. 
Later on, Jesus uh, directly says this in John 8. He goes on to say, I am not seeking glory for myself. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father. He is the one who glorifies me. You see, the ironic countercultural truth that the Bible gives us about the pursuit of glory is that if you pursue God, you'll get glory. But if you pursue glory, you'll get neither. Pursue God, get glory. Pursue glory, you'll get neither God nor glory. Jesus isn't trying to stop us from the pursuit of significance. He's trying to save us from the pursuit of self-significance because he knows that that is a pointless pursuit. Like he said, glory outside of God is nothing. To illustrate this point, we're going to do a little thought experiment. So uh, by a show of hands, how many of you remember uh, the name and job of your grandparents? Just raise your hand if you uh, remember the name and job of your grandparents, what they did for work. Yep, keep your hands up. And uh, let's go on. How many of you remember the name and job of your great-grandparents? Some some hands go down. We still have a few hands up. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you remember the name and job of your great, great grandparents? If you don't, put your hands down. Look around the room. It's not a single hand up. Here's the sobering reality we will all die. It's no surprise there. We all know it's coming. But even more, we will all be forgotten. We will all die and we will all be forgotten. Based on our thought experiment, within three to four generations, uh, about 150 years from the time that you were born, uh, we will all die. And at that point, everything that we did and everything that we had and everyone we knew and everything that they said about us will all be forgotten. Like the hip-hop artist Macklemore said in his song, Glorious, I heard that you die twice. The first is when they bury you into the grave, and the second time is the last time that somebody mentions your name. You die first for yourself, and then your memory dies. To which I'm sure we're all thinking, how depressing. (laughs) I'm so glad that I came to church today for this encouraging and uplifting message, right? But I say it because... I. We should really wrestle with this pursuit of self-significance, right? And you could say, hey, some people, trans- some people achieve such significance that they, they transcend generations, right? It's the Martin Luther Kings, the Abraham Lincolns, the Mother Teresas, Shakespeare's, Plato's of the world, right? Well, granted, we can extend our legacy into the future and our memory into the future, but... According to scientists, our sun, that big ball of burning gas that sustains all of life here on earth, will one day burn out. And when that happens, all of humanity will cease to exist. And all of human history and everything that every person who ever lived did and everything that we had and everything that we knew will all be forgotten forever. If you follow the pursuit of self-significance to its logical and consequential end, at its most basic point, it's all meaningless. To put it bluntly, who really cares what we have or do or what other people think about us? Because when we're all dead and forgotten, it won't really matter at that point. 
if you want your life to truly matter, then we need to find something bigger than ourselves. We need to find something bigger than us. We need to find something bigger than reality itself. What we need is God. And here's the good news. There is good news. If you pursue God, you will not only find a life of significance that you've always been looking for, but you'll find a life that is far more significant than anything that you could ever hope to achieve on your own. But it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with what God has already done. In this passage, Jesus repeatedly mentions, my time has not yet come. Uh, He says this twice in the passage that we just read, you know, that he says, my time is not yet here. My time has not yet fully come. And Jesus repeats this throughout the gospel of John about it's not my time. It's not my time until one day Jesus finally says, father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And he says that while he's eating his last meal with his friends before he would be arrested tortured and killed. The people wanted a king. They wanted a Messiah. They wanted Jesus to prove himself as the king. Show us your glory. And on Good Friday, that's exactly what Jesus did. Because when Jesus, uh, with a crown of thorns on his head and a throne made of wood and a sign that read King of the Jews, Jesus revealed his glory to the world. His most glorious moment, his moment of exaltation was his moment of execution. And then three days later, he walked out of a grave proving that he really was the king of everything, including death, that Jesus really was the king that they were looking for. And he did all of that for us, regardless of who you are and what you've done, regardless of your ethnicity and your gender or your age or your physical or mental capabilities, regardless of how good you feel like you've been in this life or regardless of how bad you've been, you matter because you matter that much to him. There's nothing more significant than that. And yet the good news doesn't stop there because even though we will all die, we will not be forgotten by God. Later on, as we know, Jesus will eventually return to reunite heaven and earth. And when he does that, he will raise back to life all of his followers to live and reign with God forever. The author of the Gospel of John later wrote in his book, Revelation, these words saying that the city had no need of the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. By its light, the nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. The Lord God will be their light and they will reign with him forever and ever. Glory, significance beyond anything that we could hope to accomplish on our own forever. Or in the words of C.S. Lewis in his famous uh, sermon, The Weight of Glory, he says, you know, it's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that even the most dullest, most uninteresting person may one day be a creature that if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. That is the glorious future that God has for us. 
if you could see the person that God was shaping you into, if you could see the things that God eventually wants to give us, if you could see those things, you would fall on your knees and be tempted to worship it. That is our glorious future. That is what God has in store for us. So may we stop pursuing our own glory. May we pursue God with everything that we have and everything that we do and everything that we are. In his name forever and ever, amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves before you and simply acknowledge that we have this need within us. We have this desire and need for significance. We all want to feel like uh, we're valuable and meaning like our life matters. And Jesus, I pray today that we would find all of that in you, that you, we matter so much to you that you thought that we were worth dying for, that the God of the universe looked at us and all our faults and all our failures and all our shortcomings and said, I would rather die than live without them. I pray that we would believe that deep down. I pray that everything that we have, we would see it as from you. Everything that we do, we would redirect it for you. And may we believe that the only opinion that truly matters about us in this world is yours. May it be so with us and ours, both now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.